investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. And today we're going to be talking about, I think, some a little bit of excitement, maybe some optimism, um, some things that happened in the market recently, uh, as recent as yesterday. Sam, why don't you dive into some things that have been happening, some developments in the market? Yeah, so we're going to see a little bit of positives recently, um, starting with the Dow Jones. We're up almost 4% over the past week, and over the past month, we're almost over f- uh, 4 and a half positive. Uh, Year-to-date, we're still down 12%, but that's getting better as, uh, as the weeks continue here. Same kind of theme with uh, all the major indexes, honestly, uh, moving on to the S&P. Over the past week, we're up over 4%. Over the, mass, the past month, we're up about 5.5%. Like I said, year to date, we're still down about 16, 17%. Um, but the, the five day and the month numbers are looking pretty good. Uh, the NASDAQ, same thing over the past five days, up almost 6%. And over the last month, we're up almost 8%. Uh, year to date, still down 24%. But I remember when that number was closer to like 30 and 35. So That's again, right. Like you said, uh, it's you know, looking at some optimism there. And uh, moving on to the Russell 2000, over the past week, we're up almost 6%. Past month, we're up over 8%. And again, year to date, we're still down about 20%, but it's getting better. Wow. I like what I'm hearing. I like what I'm seeing. Yesterday was um, kind of a nice sigh of relief to see, you know, from from all the uh, turmoil that we've seen in the market lately, and I heard somebody say, yes, it's, it's, I think it was CNBC or Fox. It's finally over the markets, you know, and it's like the day wasn't even over. And how many times do we see the day start off positive um, and then end negative and just, you know, the opposite. It happens. And um, I don't know that we're out of it yet, but I'm, I'm happy to see what, what transpired yesterday, right? Um, people's statements, logging in to their online accounts um, has been rough to say the least as of the late, but, but I like that. And I do think we're starting to see a little bit of optimism. Um, Although I think there, there are more haters right now in the market about all the things that could be wrong because there's so many things to, um, to really trickle down the effects of positive earnings on these companies and profitability. So with that, let's look at the energy sector. Now that one was doing quite well uh, early on in the year. Year to date right now, it's showing a positive 26% rate of return. That's the XLE. And it's slipped, right? So in the last month or so, this is down about 5%. And the last week, believe it or not, it's positive 8%. And uh, just about flat on the day. So not nothing really exciting there on the XLE Energy Select. ETF. Let's move on to financials. So financials year to date, again, not a shining star, down about 17%, even with yesterday's gain. And the last week, it's up 6.5%. And I like what I saw yesterday. So we're looking for some more 
positive feedback there from financials. And I think that played a big part of what happened yesterday. If we look at the real estate select sector spider fund, that's the XLRE year to date. Real estate is down 18.5%. And last week, it's up about 4.5%. And yesterday's gain was nice. Today, somewhat flat. So I'm liking what I'm seeing there um, with financials. I like what I saw with real estate. Uh, energy is just so-so, but we have seen a huge run-up on the market so far year-to-date in 2022. Now, if we shift gears and look at the digital coins, we look at first the Great Scale Bitcoin Trust. That's the GBTC year-to-date down 53%. In the last five trading days, up 30%. Five trading days, up 30%. That's Bitcoin. <laughs> that's Bitcoin. Oh. I mean, that's insane. That is insane. And up today, it, it's up about 5%. So typically what I've seen with these coins is when they're going up, um, when they're making money, when they're showing positive returns, it's kind of like the, the risk on, right? That's the optimism in the market. And that may be carrying over from yesterday. If we look at the Grayscale Ethereum Trust, that's the ETHE year to date. Ethereum is down almost 63% in last week. It's up 57%. 57. I mean, imagine if just about a week ago, you decided now was the time to uh, invest in Ethereum. You're up 57% in a week. Insane. How about Litecoin? Litecoin Trust, that's the LTCN year to date, is down almost 66%. If you were to invest a week ago, you're up about 28%. Not too bad. But Ethereum is really, I think, the uh, gets the gold star award there. And Bitcoin being up 30% in a week is not too shabby. Now, those coins trade. <clears throat> if you're on the, if you buy the coins direct, they trade 24-7. So you could go to bed Saturday night, wake up Sunday morning, and your account could be worth 20% less, 30% less. And how about gold? Gold has, has been uh, somewhat mild this year. Um, right now, it's showing about 5.5% loss for the year. In the last week, it's pretty much flat. And today, it's down just a bit. Now, typically, a very good hedge for uh, against inflation. I will say the strong dollar is going to be a challenge. And so where do, where do people go? Where do, where do people put their money? Um, it, is it on the sidelines? Well, I can tell you we've had a few folks that wanted to add to their accounts. And we've, we've come up with a systematic strategy of doing that. Um, people do it in their 401ks. May not even realize you have a plan, right? And that's the DCA, dollar cost average. Putting money in, buying on the dips. And then there's another way. And that, that entails reinvesting dividends. What happens there is the stocks kick out a dividend. You have the right to collect that dividend, whether it be monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or buy back additional shares. You can buy fractional shares, things like that. So I like I like what I'm seeing. I still think we have problems, and the problems have been there pretty much since January 1. Um, Ukraine, inflation, rising cost of goods, services, supply chain. Anything else? I mean, weather's great outside. Matter of fact, they said that we're uh, due, we, when I say we, I mean the world, 
some kind of like heat wave. Do you hear about this? I mean, I just heard about the the one going on in like England. Yeah, it's no joke. And and I don't know if it was the journal, but they gave a breakdown of how the body reacts to uh, heat. And, and it doesn't have to do with just like the temperature. So like if it's 75 out, you might say, oh, 75, that's, you know, that's pretty good for the summer. But um, I think it has to do with humidity and how the body reacts. Mm -hmm. So the body is going to try to cool down, right? And the way to cool down would be to sweat. If you sweat too much, you could become dehydrated. Um, but there's all kinds of other psychological issues um, that the body does to, to help deal with it. Uh, blood flow. So instead of having all of your blood kind of in the central uh, part of your body and the organs, it releases the blood flow and brings it closer to the surface to cool down your body, hmm. which has all kinds of other impacts on motor skills and functionality. I had no idea. But in any event, um, what I'm alluding to there is the fact that, you know, there there are a number of different things that have been going on throughout the course of the year, right? There's always problems, right? And just like in our lives, in, in your life, in my life, there are day-to-day -day challenges. We don't give up. We don't sit on the sidelines. We don't decide to say, you know what? I'm not going to go to work today because I could get into a car accident. I could run out of gas. You know, I mean, those are real life challenges and we face all kinds of challenges. And the biggest, I think the biggest argument that I would get is this time is different. Ever hear that before? This time is different. You don't understand. You know, we've, we've got a, a different uh, presidential regime in power. We've got a different economic environment. We're coming off of a 40-year declining interest rate environment. We have rising costs of goods and services. We have supply chain issues. We've never experienced that. You know, and I think that the... The problems that we have are different, but the effects of those problems and how they play into our lives and how we make money is a different story. So they're not one and the same. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast here at Monarch Wealth Management. My name is Sam Goelli alongside of Constantine Kitronos. And in this part of the show, we're going to talk about college. We're going to talk about secondary education, how to pay for it, things like 529s. Cons, I think you got some good info for us. What you got? Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned college days, I think of, um, you know, gaining 15 to 20 pounds with a freshman 15. <laughs> For me, it was almost freshman 50. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, I think college life for everyone is a little bit different depending on uh, your, your resources and financial aid and things like that. Um, so for some families, you may have that um, you may have that option, right? So you may have financial aid 
as a substitute or a partial funding of college. And we have families that do that in some cases, um, you know, depending on their net worth and their income, they're going to be big driving factors in what the student will qualify for. Uh, student assets will play somewhat of a role in that type of funding, but the majority of, of our clients, I would say a good 60 to 70% uh, will qualify for a very small amount, if any. Um, so they're looking for ways to save, to help their kids in college, right? And when I went to school, I was at UB. Did you go to UB, Sam? I did go to UB, Or UB yeah. grad. Um, and I went to school about 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> roughly. So uh, things are a little bit different as far as cost. Uh, you know, I went to a state college, uh, in-state education, obviously going to be a little bit less expensive uh, than if I went to another state. And, um, you know, families want to know, what what should I do? What should I be thinking about? And, and with that, the first thing that comes to mind is a 529. I'm sure you've heard of a 529 before. Mm. Um, what do you know about a 529? Anything good or bad? I mean, I, I only know basically that it's just a savings account that you open for your kids and you can only use it for education. You got it. That's I mean, you, you the hit the nail on the head. Understanding. And you know what? That honest to God, I'd say 90% of the clients that come to us have that same understanding. Just mm. what you said. I understand it's a it's an account that I can use to put money into for my kids' college. Right. And and that's all I know. Um, so some of the benefits are you'll get a little bit of a tax savings. Uh, at the state level here in New York state, if you're participating in the New York state plan, again, don't get too excited. It's not like a huge, massive tax break. Um, it's a mechanism which allows you and family, friends, relatives, when you have birthdays, things like that, to put money into this plan, right? They have all kinds of fun, different ways. They have vouchers and coupons you could hand out for birthday parties, whatever. Um, but typically it's funded by the parents, right? Parents, mom, dad, uh, and maybe grandparents. You might have some relatives that throw some cash into that account. Now, when do you open those accounts? The sooner, the better, obviously. Uh, and, you know, how soon? If I just got married and I'm planning a family, um, can I start opening accounts now? I think I'm going to have five kids. I might as well open five, two, five, five, two nines, right? That should be fine. No, um, you're going to need, you're going to need uh, the child's social security number. So you're going to attach that as a beneficiary, right? So they're going to be the beneficial owner, benefactor of those funds. You save in those accounts, you get a little bit of tax break. Now, how much do they make? You know, how, if I throw in hundred bucks a month into this account, is it earning 5%, 2%, a quarter percent, like a savings? Any idea what they're earning? I, I really don't have any idea. It's okay. Because a lot of people don't. They have no idea. Just like 401ks, they ask me, what pays more, 401k, traditional, or Roth? And so this is just a, this is just simply an account. It's a title. It's a structure. It's a vehicle to save for college. There's all kinds of investment choices. That's right, investment. It's not a regular savings account. So it is not just like, uh, you know, you belong to a credit union, you hop on over to the credit union, you open a 529, you put in 50 bucks a month and it pays you a quarter percent a year. It is not like that. It is an investment shell, right? And you can choose a bunch of different investments. You can manage those along the way. And the idea is if you start soon enough, 
over 10 to let's call it 18 years of savings, maybe more, um, you're going to see a pretty nice return. And when I say nice return, I'd say average, we're, we're hoping for something around 7 to 10% a year compounded, uh, which can be a pretty sizable amount, right? And so that's the good part about it, right? Now, are there limitations on how much you could put in? Yes, there are. You can't just throw in whatever you want. You can't put in half a million dollars and, and have this money come out tax-free. Your son or daughter's going to Harvard. No, it's not like that. And this is one mechanism, one option for you. Now, what are some of the drawbacks? What if your kid, your son, your daughter gets a scholarship? What if they get a full ride for scholastics? What if they get a full ride for hockey or football or track and field? Then what? Oh, I could just pull the money out and use it for to, to buy a car, to, to fund a business, right? Well, you can, but you're going to pay tax and then you're going to pay penalties. If you use it for room and board, tuition, books, things like that, computers, things that they'll need for school, for secondary education, you can pull those funds out completely tax-free without penalty. That's a nice feature. Uh, if your son or daughter does get a scholarship, you have the right to modify the beneficiary. You could change the beneficiary, right? So there's, there is some logistics on how you can do that and who it can get appointed to. You can't just like pick some stranger on the street and say, you know what? It's going to go to Sammy for, for college, but he's got a full ride. So I'm just going to gift it to the stranger. Can't do that. So that's, that's where some parents are reluctant. If I put too much money into this account, if I throw away, you know, 10000 into this over the course of 18 years, and now it's worth 50000 and I pull that money out and I pay taxes and penalties, well, it defeats the purpose. You know, I, I wanted this money for college, but we didn't need it. So what else could they do? You could also open something called a custodial account for a child. Have you heard that term before? Yeah, I think Jay and I have uh, opened a few of them. Recently. I'm sure you have. So for a minor in New York State, any, anyone under the age of 21, right, a parent, an adult, a guardian could open accounts for them. And the difference there is that it is taxable, but it can be used for whatever you want. A car, room and board, books, tuition, you're going to pay taxes on that money, but you will not pay a penalty. Okay, you can add money, take money out whenever you want. So to combine those two types of accounts for, for minors makes a ton of sense. Hey, look, I don't know if my kid's going to school. I don't know what they're going to do. I want to save for them, and I think it's going to be for college, but I don't know. So I maybe I split up the accounts and do half and half, or 60% of the money goes into the 529, and the other 40 goes into this custodial account. Those are a couple options. There's another option. One of them could be overfunding a, a life insurance policy that builds cash value, right? It's another option. What about business owners? Sam owns a business. We always say, uh, what, what do you own, a, a bakery or a landscape company? I don't know what it is today. But let's say you, Sam's Sam Bake Shop, right? you got a couple kids. If they're doing something for you that you can pay them uh, an honest wage for, maybe you're taking some pictures of them eating donuts or cakes or whatever it is, and uh, now they're models for your company, right? And you decide to pay them a fair wage, 5000 each. You could take those monies and put them into an account for them. Could be a Roth IRA. They have earned income. In order to open an IRA, you have to have earned income. They earn that money. And guess what? As a child, 
there's a certain amount of money you can earn each year and not pay taxes as a minor. So now the business has taken the deduction for the cost, the expense. They've give, uh, they've paid for their services to the child, your kids. It's going into a Roth IRA, right? And let's say that Roth IRA is open for at least five years. You can pull that money out, the contributions, tax-free and use it for whatever you want. It's your own money. Now, I'm not saying that's the best option. That That is an option that some might use. Some parents may do um, Roth contributions into their own account. Say you don't own a business. That way you have access to the money. Again, after the account's open five years, pull it out tax-free for whatever you want. Maybe it's school, maybe it's a car, maybe it's room and board books. No tax incentives there. And you're going to be using up money that you're going to be robbing your own retirement down the road. What else is there? How about I-bonds? We had this uh, we had this segment about I-bonds. And I'm going to look this up because there is a function of the I-bonds that you can use as an exclusion for education. And they have a number of parameters. You have to qualify for that. Uh, so it says you have to pay for qualified higher education expenses in the same tax year for yourself, your spouse, or your dependents. So that's an option there. Pulling it out and, and maybe even bypassing taxes. The education tax exclusion permits qualified taxpayers to exclude from their gross income all or part of the interest paid when you redeem those bonds. So again, you can't buy those bonds from us directly, but the Treasury Direct website will give you some more information. Definitely want to talk with your accountant. So there's, we mentioned a few different ways to help pay for college. What was, uh, do you remember what tuition was at UB? When you were at school? Uh, I think the uh, in-state tuition was somewhere around five or six thousand if you're just talking about tuition. Just tuition, not yeah. not room and board. Not room and board. Not dorm, not not the food plan. Yeah. The meal plan. I only I only lived on campus my freshman year at UB. Okay. So um that was like a pretty good way that we saved a little bit of money because room and board isn't cheap, obviously. No, it's no, it's so, not. Uh, we found an off-campus apartment that saved us a lot of money just paying rent weekly, you know, or monthly. Um, but yeah, I think it was around five or six when I was there, uh, just tuition. So when I went, I don't know that it was very different from that. I think all-in cost was around 13000 for the year uh, with room and board, the meal plan, you know. Like I said, I was a big boy. I, uh, I, I think I packed on the freshman 50. But this... Um, we're using a calculator. This is called a calculator.net. And they look at some, the average cost of college tuition right now. Total cost right now on average is about 191000 for a four-year in-state college degree that will happen in 10 years. That factors in a 5% rise for the next decade. Yeah, see, that's crazy to me. Isn't that think, insane? I don't think we paid anywhere near that. No. I, I can tell you that I did not have a five to nine. I didn't have savings set aside. I took out loans. I had some scholarships, some grants, and I worked, you know, and that's that's how I paid for it. But if you're a parent that wants to, let's say, take the burden of maybe 35% of college costs, what's it going to take to save? Well, you need to save in total right now. And again, this is looking out 10 years. Say your, your kid is eight years old. 
and you're, you're kind of playing a little bit of catch up, right? Um, you're going to need to save about $67,000 if you want to pay for 35% of their college costs. That's looking out 10 years from now. Your target savings amount with in today's dollars is about 43000 Okay. That's equivalent to saving 336 bucks a month for the next 14 years. Mm-hmm. Right? The amount needed in freshman year is about $15,581. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's 35% of the college costs saving in today's dollars about 340 bucks a month for the next 14 years. So that's no joke. I mean, college is a, is a huge expense. Some parents want the burden. Some say, no, let the kids worry about it. You know, I'm going to fund my retirement and help them when I can. Um, I've, I've heard a ton of financial shows over the years, educating and, and guiding clients and giving advice on things not to do. And one of them being do not co-sign for loans for your kids. Do not take on that burden because guess what? Even if your child makes some financial mistakes, never finishes school, that debt doesn't go away. Never goes away. Even if they go bankrupt, you can you cannot just write off student debt. I know there was some legislation proposed by this current administration. I don't know that it will pass ever um, and, and get completely wiped out. But those are some things to think about. There's not just one answer. Everybody's a little bit different. It's worth a conversation. Again, give us a call, 800-480-1580. Love to chat with you. I think it's time for a break. We'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly wrapping up the show, right? Last segment, Sam, I know you've got an article you're dying to talk about from the Wall Street Journal. I know you are. Uh, sure. Yeah. We, uh, we're talking about inflation over here. We've been talking about it a while. Um, everybody knows it's kind of killing us, especially at the gas tanks and, uh, excuse me, pumps, but, um, wait, 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 gas pumps. Have you put in gas lately? Yeah. Up or down? Actually, I think it's gone a little bit down it ha- over it the past has. couple of weeks, but you know, it's still just under $5, I think. <laughs> Four no, so, yeah. I mean, I, I remember uh, when I first started driving, at least, uh, we were only paying like under $3 a gallon look where we are now. But anyway, back to inflation in general. Um, We're just talking about some things here that have skyrocketed, some things that have stayed pretty much the same, and actually, surprisingly, some things that have gone down. Wait a Um, minute, gone down? Yeah, believe it or not. I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Actually, uh, it'll shock you too, because there's one, uh, you know, sector that's gone down that is surprising to me. But anyway, we'll get into it here. And obviously, energy, we're talking about gas and stuff like that up 40%. Regular gasoline is up 60%, which is obviously crazy. And we've all seen that. 
uh, some basic necessities like milk and groceries up about 16%. And if you have a dog or a cat, pet food up over 10%. And uh, we have two dogs, so we're definitely uh, noticing that too. Um, you know what? You bring up pets. I can tell you during the uh, during COVID in the last couple of years, the the ability to get a pet, um, the, the, the waiting time increased quite a bit because I know my wife and we had some family members looking to buy a pet. And it was like six-month wait. You got to wait for the next. And everybody was buying pets, I think, because you're at home. Mm-hmm. You're not getting out much. And they needed that social, like, anxiety release. So I, I noticed that everybody bought something over COVID. Like oh, people yeah. started calling things, oh, it's, it was a COVID purchase. So for my parents, they actually got two dogs. And uh, kind of like you said, they were on a wait list for a while. Um, they had to wait till the next litter was born. Then you have to wait till the dog's like, what, six weeks old or something, or two, two months old or something like that before you can even get it. And my parents actually drove to Indiana just to get a little puppy. And did you go? I did not, no. I, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, if we're going back to inflation costs, I think this one is a big one too. Uh, airline fares up almost 40%. I find that hard to believe. You I think so? Yeah, I, I don't... Um, obviously, you didn't write the article. Mm. At least I don't think you did. Um, you know, when we talked about airline costs back in 2005, I went to Europe, and I spent about 1000 bucks for a ticket. And Dave and Jay just booked their tickets to Macedonia, and they paid about thousand, maybe eleven hundred dollars. So that might be up ten percent from two thousand five. Now I don't know if this is just looking at year over year, which I believe it is. I think it's looking at last year's numbers versus this year. Um, how how much? You say thirty four percent? Uh, yep, thirty four. Wow. I wonder if it's just like specific airlines or just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just found cheap places to go. Well, the you know what? I take that back for a minute. Think about what I just said. They purchased tickets to go to Europe. Right now, the euro and the dollar, I think, are trading. They're pretty even, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was around $1.25, $1.30. So right there, there's a 30% difference, and yeah. that makes up. Okay, so never mind. I, I backpedal. <laughs> All right. What was I? I was going to talk about the uh, a couple things that have gone down surprisingly. Let's get to that. Let's hear them. Uh, televisions one down over twelve percent. Um, I haven't noticed that. I haven't bought a TV. I think you mentioned you might have recently. No, I. So we haven't had. We haven't bought a TV since I bought okay. my home about ten years ago. Oh, gotcha. So like it's. I have. It's not even. What do they have? Eight K now. I don't even have four K. Yes, I don't even know what that means. Just I don't really either. good quality. I guess. But uh, the one that got me was smartphones, down 20%. And I think we've talked about it before, uh, supply chain issues and the shortage of the those chips that everybody needs. Um, I would think that would make prices skyrocket for the brand new phones. Same here. They're down 20%. When did, my last cell phone purchase was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was the most, the most expensive phone I've ever bought. I don't know if it was just that model or the amount of memory I, I had, but um, I've never spent 1500 bucks on a phone, and I did. I think they're kind of overpriced anyway. Big time. But what do I know? Big time. So, okay, so TVs, cell phones, and then on the opposite end, you've got 
oil, gas, mm-hmm. and airlines, which kind of makes sense. New cars are up about 15% as well. Mm, I believe it. Um, I don't have a number for used cars, but I think everybody has heard that used cars were like through the roof, at least in the past few months. So my brother-in-law was in a car accident. Of course, the car was paid off, so mm-hmm. it was totaled. Um, so he was out shopping for a vehicle, which he did not plan on, did not hope for. And it took a while. He had a rental for a little bit, but uh, ended up buying a new car because it ended up, when you factored everything in, being cheaper than mm-hmm. a one-year-old car, which I'm yeah, not sure I understand. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I think um, even a couple years ago, uh, like buying a used car, was it was like the, the best time to buy a used car in a long time because uh, they weren't that expensive, but you could still get one- or two-year-old cars. And rates were dirt cheap. I mean, 1%, 2%, 3% for a loan. Wow. Okay, that's that's kind of unusual. That's interesting. The one thing that I, I have a hard time with is um, the cost of, of cell phones going down, like you said, with all the chips. And you think about cars and gas and whatnot. Uh, a lot of the cars that I see coming out tend to be larger cars too i feel like it's a lot of uh, suvs and trucks um when i drive by the car lots that's what they have available it's not so many cars i think everybody wants an suv these days anyway after years of driving a car and i have a car now mm-hmm. and i had an suv i missed the suv yeah. i missed the ride it's mainly for the ride and i feel like i'm a, a an 18 year old kid again when i climb down into a car and i'm getting older so now going down into a car uh, you feel every bump in the road, and we've got a lot of them, and uh, it's just not a comfortable ride. Not like an SUV. You feel luxurious. It's in a nice appointed seat. you got great vision on what's going on, what's not going on. Um, so interesting updates from that aspect of things. There's another article in the journal that talks about the unpre- uh, unpleasant truths about savings apps. Now, you may know some of these savings apps. Um, I've seen them all the time. I think Truebill has one. They have all kinds of things that can do uh, budgeting for you, Um, looking at you link up basically all of your bank accounts, right? And then they try to offer you cross-sell other products to you. Hey, Sam, you need a bank account. Hey, Sam, you need a loan. Hey, Sam, you're paying 5% on this loan. I can get you three. So they cross-sell products. Nothing wrong with that, I guess, right? You sign up for something that could save you money. They offer um, you a way to save, and they used your own information to come to that you know, recommendation. So it's not horrible. But then the article goes into talking about how these apps, a lot of them, will offer you a pretty enticing rate. Hey, Sam, you can get a 3% savings account. Well, a lot of them aren't deemed as banks. They're not like a real charter, right? So they don't have FDIC coverage and things like that. Think about, for one example is Coinbase. So I know you don't invest in crypto, but on Coinbase, they offer, uh, you know, 3%, 4% yield on some of these coins. So you throw in a thousand bucks, you collect three or 4% yield, right? The problem is you also lost 50% of your principal because the coin value went down. Hmm. So... And again, not having the FDIC coverage, it's not a bank account. I guess the problem there that they're trying to point in the uh, in the journal is 
the way they're marketing it. Instead of saying like, hey, this is not a traditional bank account. This is a, you know, an investment of some sort. And a lot of them charge fees. Um, it's proper disclosure. And I think that's what it comes down to is knowledge and education um, and just understanding. And we do this for our clients. So I have clients that we do some budgeting for, some estate planning, um, possibly thinking about buying a vacation home, rental property, whatever it might be. So there's different things for people to consider. At the end of the day, I think it's worth doing the homework. It's worth working uh, with an advisor. And our clients that are on our subscription models are paying us to help guide them for those reasons. So we covered a lot of ground. We looked at inflation. We looked at apps. We looked at uh, things going on in the world. We looked at inflation. We looked at uh, cost of goods and services, ways to save money, budgeting, things like that, and then ways to save for your kid's college. All that in a nutshell. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, too. Thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Thanks again, everyone. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.